this is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And finally, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer at the minimum rate of $1 per month for an exclusive RSS feed with content recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. And if you pledge $5 or more, you get access to video uh, like reviews and stuff that we post on uh, the regular, sort of, I guess. Um, I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is Ben Sears, contributor to the website of ObsessiveViewer.com. Uh, ben, how's it going? And also, I'm very nervous because she does not declawed. <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk. I'm petting the cat. Oh, it's 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 all good. No, I it's um, it's cool. I, I'm okay. not afraid because I have two undeclawed cats of okay, my good. own at home. It's funny, like you're you're scratching your head, and like I like I don't scratch her head that much, like mm-hmm. in that way. Um, so I think it's just like because I always do this, and she's just like I'm pretty, I'm pretty, yeah. And then I always try to wub the belly, but she doesn't like <laughs> the belly. Um, okay. So hi Ben, how's it going? Pretty good. How's <laughs> good. it going? Pretty good, pretty good. We are going to be reviewing the lighthouse, the uh sophomore effort from I don't have Robert, Robert Eggers. Eggers. Yes. Director of The Witch from I think twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen, I think. Mm, um either sixteen or fifteen. Okay, I think it was sixteen. Um I am so not prepared. Um but yeah, we're gonna do that and then uh go through some news and uh maybe some potpourri as well. Uh, so we have a, it's 2015, um, that the witch came out. So we've got a, we've got a stacked episode this, this week on the obsessive viewer. Um, so yeah, where do you want to begin, Ben? Do you have any, uh, oh, I should have, so, so stupid. I was just like, thought like we should have reviewed Ben is back because you're back. (laughs) Um, did you ever see that movie by the way? Uh, no, I think, uh, I can't even keep them straight. Is that the one with? Timothy Chalamet. Um, no, that's Beautiful Boy. Uh, that one's ben Lucas Hedges. Back has Lucas okay. Hedges. One of them, I, I think one of them is on my Amazon watch list or mm-hmm. one of the streaming services, and probably Beautiful gotten, Boy because that's an Amazon original, right? I haven't gotten around to either one of them. Yeah, Beautiful Boy's really good. The thing that kind of I don't know bother not bothers me, but like <laughs> like there's Beautiful Boy with uh, Timothy Chalamet and, and, uh, I almost called him Michael Scott. Um, <laughs> uh, oh my God, Steve Carell. Yeah. And then Ben is back has, I want to say Julianne Moore and Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Boy Erased, which also has yeah. Lucas Hedges. And, uh, is it either, it's either Julia Roberts and, or, uh, Nicole mm. Kidman, one of them. Oh yeah. In oh yeah oh yeah in a in a boy erased yeah and a Russell Crowe I think it's Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe okay um I loved that movie I thought it was really um really effective um 
But I didn't put it on my top ten. That's interesting. Um, maybe I saw it after it came out, or after the uh, after the, everything was locked in. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about the lighthouse, which I'm very excited about uh, about talking about it because that is a movie that is just has been sitting in my brain for the last 24 <laughs> yeah you just saw it last hours. night right yeah and uh i did it with <laughs> i did it with a double a double feature of the lighthouse and parasite and I, I guess i can go ahead and tell my stupid movie theater story um so it's the first time since getting a list that i and the fir- the first time in a while non Okay, let me rephrase this. So it was the first time since getting A-List that I saw two movies back-to-back in the theater. And it was also the first time non-film festival related that I saw a movie back to two movies back-to-back in the theater in a very long time. Uh-huh. And I'm 33 years old now, so it, <laughs> it's, it, was, it, was, it was a little rough, but, uh, but yeah. But it was interesting because I saw The Lighthouse and then uh, like I had like 20 minutes until uh parasite and i went over to the to the auditorium for parasite and like i like okay this is a classic like matt hurt movie theater weird story but let me back up at the end of the lighthouse i'm not going to spoil it obviously but right at the end like almost like at the at the end of the movie this person walks in and stands in the in the uh the row in front of me and is like looking at their ticket and they're confused and they don't know what's going on. And I'm like, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, how, just how dumb do you have to be to be in the wrong theater or not know your seat or anything? And it's like, clearly this person was in the wrong, the wrong auditorium. And I, I, and uh-huh. to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think maybe what they did was maybe they bought the ticket, but they bought the wrong screen time. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Cause that happened once or twice. When I worked in the movie theater, I'm sure you have experience uh, with that kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mostly sold popcorn. Nice. <laughs> but uh, so I'm like sitting there. I'm like scoffing, like how dumb do you have to be not to, to be confused and everything? And then I went to my screening of Parasite, and like I was sitting there, and I was there early, so it was like 20 minutes early. And then this this man comes up and sits in the seat right next to me, and I'm like. Is this is this like a packed screening? Because like because I mean it's like a Sunday night and I'm like this seat like <laughs> why get the seat right next to me like what is like why do that and like I noticed that he was there with a woman and like she went to the concession stand or something and then so I'm sitting there and like this is this is so this is like weirdly embarrassing <laughs> because like when that happens. When that sort of thing happens, I will go into the app and look to see what seats are taken. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, and so I looked, and it's like, like we're the only ones in that row. And I'm like, what is going <laughs> on? And, like, I look, and, like, I notice, like, oh, he, like, and that's weird, too, because it's just one seat. Like, he just has one seat. Like, where's the woman's seat? And I... <laughs> And like in that moment, I look over and he's staring at me and at my phone and he sees me looking up the seats. And then there's a brief pause. Like he like turns away and I'm like sitting there. I'm like, do, do I say something? And then he's like, excuse me. And then this is, this is where it gets really embarrassing because for a brief, brief moment, like he's, he said, excuse me, are you? And then for the briefest, like, like, Half second. I thought, oh shit, does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> Did he recognize? Have I been recognized? 
But no, he said, excuse me, are you in the right seat? <laughs> and it turns out I was in the completely other, like, the other side of the aisle seat. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's not that big of a leap to make. I mean, you're a famous Indianapolis I, institution. I, and- I thank you for that, and I agree. And, uh, yeah, no, um... <laughs> But yeah, it was. And I, so the reason that that happened is that I was in the same seat, like in the floor in the in the in the layout. I like the seat that I was mistaken as mine was the same seat in the configuration that I was at in the lighthouse. And like I got in, like oh, it's going to be the same seat. Uh-huh. Just assuming and not realizing that that like that number is like seat uh, eight and seat seven is way on the other side. So. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's always kind of my biggest fear now that assigned seating is a thing. Oh yeah. Um like I went to see Joker a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh I I bought my ticket and I made sure to check my seat uh before sitting down and it was a pretty full screening mm-hmm. and these guys uh came into my row uh as a previews were playing and um they were like uh one of them was like yeah i i think you're in my seat and i like for a brief minute even though i like quadruple checked it even before i sat down and after i sat down i i kind of was afraid that he was right you know oh yeah (laughs) like if if (laughs) you should know one thing about me it's that i'm probably the least confrontational person in the oh, universe. Yeah. Same, so same here. <laughs> if you come up to tell me that I'm in the wrong seat, chances are there's going to be a, a brief time that I'm going to believe you. Right. Uh, no matter how right I am, mm. um, just to kind of avoid any conflict. So for, for a brief second, I thought like, I thought like, what if, <laughs> I, I, I knew you weren't going to say this, but I thought, like, I thought how weird and out of character it'd be. You would have said, like, if you come up to me and tell me I'm wrong, you're going to catch these hands. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, no, um, my mother taught me the right mm. way. No. Nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I totally get the fear of yeah. sitting in the wrong seat. And it's so, it's so weird because, like, I had, like, no real fear until he said, like, are you in the right seat? And then, like, and, like, the more, I I wouldn't say that this is the embarrassing moment of it because I was genuinely curious about this thing because he had said, like, yo, yeah, I didn't, like, I was like, oh, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'll go over. That's fine. But then he was like, um, he was like, okay, yeah, it's no problem. I, me and my wife were using the AM, the, the A-list entourage thing, which for listeners, if you don't know, now A-list has this entourage feature that you can have like a quote unquote entourage of other A-list members that are part of your quote unquote entourage. So if like, hmm. say me and Tiny want to go see a movie, um, and he is at work or something, and I'm like, hey, I uh, l- let's get tickets and everything. And then he would be like, well, I'm at work, Matt. I can't get fucking tickets right now. I'm at work. I'm trying to provide for Gizmo. <laughs> and then I'll be like, okay, well, it's fine. What I'll do, since we're in an entourage, I will just get your ticket as well. And so you can get group tickets, essentially, is what it is. So, like, the guy that Can I- Jeremy Piven tag along? 
Yes. And uh, <laughs> Turtle and yes. E. Oh, God. <laughs> E's not allowed. I don't like E. <laughs> I don't like any of them, but... Um, <laughs> Those are the only ones that I can drop names of. Yeah, I just... I don't like that show. <laughs> Although, and I've said this on the podcast before, I love the bit on, like, Arrested Development Season 4 where they there's a nightclub that they go to that's called And Jeremy Piven. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Because the sign and uh-huh. the opening credits. Anyway, um, <laughs> but the guy had said, like, yeah, I didn't know if... I didn't know if we made a mistake or not because me and my wife used it. It was the first time we were using the entourage feature on that. And so like, as I'm getting up, like feeling like an idiot, cause I've gotten the wrong seat and everything. And I'm just like, Oh, that's cool. Like, how is it working out for it? Like, how does it work? Or is it working well? <laughs> um, cause I was like genuinely curious cause I haven't used it yet, but anyway, so you walked out of the theater with two new best friends. I I almost I almost like stopped them like uh <laughs> if I if I if it was if the situation would have presented itself where I was like walking amongst them as we were exiting the theater I would have been like hey sorry for the confusion again. Uh I have a podcast and here and all that. <laughs> um but uh but they uh were sitting through the credits and I was just like I got to pee. Um so I went to the bathroom. And then I left, and now they're gone from my life forever. Wow. Um, yeah. What might have been. Yep, yep. Um, so anyway. Um, Which brings us back to the lighthouse. Yes, the lighthouse. <laughs> uh, should we go? Uh, let's, let's do the news. Um, I've, I'm waving my hand in the air as if we have like a news bumper like sound effect, but we don't. Um, beep, 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 beep. Um, anyway. So sorry. Uh, news for this week. We do have a couple of news items that I want to talk about. Uh, and I do, too. And you do, too. Yes. Um, so we're about a week late on this, and that, that's my fault. But uh, so last week, uh, Benny Weiss from Game of Thrones, they announced that they are exiting their Star Wars trilogy project. Um, because they just had a lucrative deal come through with Netflix to, to create, uh, shows for Netflix, I think, multiple shows, I think. I don't yeah. know what the overall deal was, but, um, and so, yeah, what do you make of this news, Ben? Um, you know, I'm okay with it. Um, I think, uh, it's, uh, one of the details that I read was that one of the ideas that they had for the Star Wars project was like an origin story for the Jedi. I read Just that too. All of the Jedi, which I think could have been pretty interesting, but mm-hmm. um you know, I'm I'm not going to lose any sleep over not yeah, having yeah. it. Um I mean, Ryan Johnson is still going to do his Star Wars trilogy, so it's not like there'll be a vacuum of Star Wars movies for right. the next few years, so it's as much as I might want there to be. <laughs> right. Um, just kidding. Star Wars fans, let's, don't kill me. Quick tangent. Have you bought your episode nine tickets? I, I haven't. And the reason is because, uh, I'm going to use a list for it. Okay. Um, and I'm not too concerned about getting like opening night, whatever. Um, I'll go like that weekend at some point. Um, but I don't want to use up, a reservation for um, a list until I get closer to it um, because I'm only allowed to have three reservations at a time. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's actually funny. Um, I've, I've cheated the system a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, AMC, but uh, next 
Thursday, the 14th. Um, there is, I'm going to need to resurrect Anthology for this, so that's currently on hiatus. Um, there is a one-night event screening of short horror films from Wolf No, not really. Um, Shock Tower. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's a one-night event screening of uh, Twilight Zone episodes. Okay. Yep. They're doing six episodes back-to-back in honor of the 60th anniversary of The Twilight Zone, which was October 2nd of this year. Um, they're showing six classic episodes, and they're going to have, like, a mini documentary about Rod Serling. Um, super excited about it. Like, I'm crazy excited for it. Yeah, that sounds um, fun. Yeah. So, it's it's November 14th. I looked at the tickets on AMC. Like, there's still plenty of seats available, so please go to it, because that's awesome. But... The funny thing is, is it's a Fathom Events thing, so it's excluded from A-List. However, um, for like maybe 24 hours, it was on the app, and it was not excluded from A-List. <laughs> so I snagged a ticket, and then like within like 24 hours, it became like excluded from A-List. But that reservation is still there for free through huh. A-List, so I'm just like sitting there like waiting for it. <laughs> so, nice. Yep, so I cheated the system there. Um, yeah. So anyway, so once that passes is probably when I'll reserve my ticket for Star Wars. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about, uh, the rise of Skywalker? Are you excited about it? Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Um, one of my friends, uh, somehow got the hookup, uh, and, uh, we're going to go to the IMAX at the state museum. Nice. 6 p.m. on I think the night before it officially opens. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, it'll be pretty great. I Jeez. I don't want to not see it in IMAX. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it should be pretty fun. I don't want to see it in 3D. I'm, oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. That is, man, That that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm going to see it and hopefully it'll be good. Um, but yeah, but uh, Benny Off and Weiss, going back to the news, um, do you, there's been a lot of like reaction from, uh, angry Game of Thrones fans saying like they, so they, they killed the last season of Game of Thrones so that they could just drop out of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, or they did, they ruined the last season of Game of Thrones for nothing. And, like on one hand, it's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, what, what do you make of that? Um, I don't know. I mean, Maybe they just ruined uh, Game of Thrones by not knowing what the hell they were doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there isn't really a whole lot of indication that they can produce their own mm-hmm. material, you know? Yeah. Because pretty you- much once the books mm-hmm. were uh, finished, uh, that's kind of when the show started going downhill, yeah. really. There's such a distinct change in just even just the i don't want to say tone but just like in the production of it it's like it feels so much more loose than uh than you know it was and i thought maybe that would be countered with like in terms of their star wars trilogy maybe it'd be like since they're completely creating it themselves like maybe it would be fine but Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And there was an article or um, something that they said somewhere uh, on a panel uh, talking about how I didn't read all of it. So I'm, I'm kind of 
going to grasp at bits and pieces, but um, they were basically explaining how they basically lucked into Game of Thrones. And, like, it yeah. was... So, like, because they had no idea what they were doing. They, like, had a terrible pilot process. Like, they used the pilot process to learn how to write for TV. <laughs> and it's like... And, like, I don't know, not to get all 2019, but, like, a lot of people were, like... So it's so hard for like minorities and and people of color in the, in the in the film industry to to get work and be taken seriously and stuff. And then these two white guys just stumbled into the <laughs> like the biggest TV series in of our modern time. Right. And I'm like, I totally get that frustration. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I I'm not gonna cry over mm-hmm. you know them not putting forth their star wars vision mm-hmm. um i'm i i am excited for ryan johnson and what he has to Same do here. um but yeah it is what it is yeah um yeah and so other news related to that is that the pilot for the Game of Thrones prequel that was going to star Naomi Watts mm-hmm. um which I always thought was interesting casting um it was not going forward yeah um so that's done and that was supposed to be set like a thousand years before yeah Game I of think Thrones. I think both of them were supposed to be uh very very long before the events of the mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but the one that's, is, am I right? The one that's, that is being produced mm-hmm. is about the Targaryens. Yep. They did announce that the, uh, house of the dragon is the title of it is going to be the yeah. prequel that they're moving forward with. They actually gave it a full series order. So it's going to have 10, a 10 episode first season. It's like, it's greenlit and good to go. Um, they even have like, uh, like logo design and all that. Um, does that interest you? Are you excited about that? Um, I'll probably watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes me most excited, which I read about is, uh, George R. R. Martin has said that he will finish the next book before the prequel series comes out. Did he really so, say that? Yeah. Wow. So the balls though, on him. <laughs> though, I mean, I, I'm curious wow. to see how many times he has said something similar to yeah. that um, and not followed through, but wow, uh, that's what he says. So it's so funny to me because he like, well, it's not funny. It's more infuriating than anything. Um, but it's <laughs> like anytime there's any, like anytime he posts anything, like I'll like, because I hate myself, I will go <laughs> into the comments and, like, look at the comments and, like, every... Like, so many of them are like, why are you doing this? Write, <laughs> write The Winds of Winter. And I'm like... Yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just like... You know, if I was in his position, um, uh, I would just say, fuck it. I would be like, no, I'm not... No, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take another seven years. Right. Um, yeah. Oof. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point six books would be fantastic mm-hmm. i doubt that there will be eight like he originally said yeah but i mean just just give me something yeah oh yeah um yeah so I, i'm i'm very curious about it it'll it'll be interesting 
Um, and and we'll see what happens. I don't they don't I don't think they set a release date or anything. They just announced that it's going to happen. Uh, so. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't yeah. even know if they have set any casting decisions. No, I don't think so. Okay. So I would I would anticipate probably the earliest we'd see it, and this is a pretty loose um, uh, conjecture on my part, but probably 2021, yeah. I would think. Um, which, speaking of future dates, also just throwing this out there, and then we can get into our review. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2 uh, has a release date. It is, Hell yeah. Yes. 2022? Yes. Yeah. I think April. April, um, 2022. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Like that's all we have about it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. all I need. I'm oh, going to yeah. go from here to, uh, camp out in front of the theater. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Nice. I, yeah, I'm so excited for that. Um, and I'm glad that they're not rushing it. Like right. so many people, I saw so many people saying like, Oh, it's going to take too long. It's like, do you realize how much time it takes to make an animated movie? Yeah. And like, it's just, it's just let them work on it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad they're not going like the Disney or Marvel route mm-hmm. and just cranking it out there yes. now that the, the first one had some success. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they'll get, uh, a good story out there. Yeah, like I when I was at the movie theater last night, I passed by the poster for Peter Rabbit two, and I'm like, Peter Rabbit came out like it like at most like two years ago, and maybe hmm. even last year. I'm like, they already pumped out a sequel? Like seriously? Um, I don't think it's coming out until the spring, but it's just like, eesh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Any other news that you want to talk about, or shall we go into the lighthouse? Um, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Nothing worth talking about. Same here. I feel like as soon as, uh, like probably at the end of this recording and everything, I'll like think like, oh shit, I should have brought this up, but that's (laughs) fine. Um, so yeah, so we're going to go ahead and review the lighthouse. Um, first, Ben, I I just want to get your thoughts on the witch. Um, Came out in 2015, Anya Taylor-Joy and some other people. Um, how did you feel about The Witch, and did you revisit it in preparation for The Lighthouse? No, actually, I I just watched it for the first time oh, like nice. two weeks ago. Nice. Um, and I, I really liked it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know why I, other than it, you know, horror movies just aren't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although they are more and more these days. Um, so I didn't, I kind of skipped over it when it first came out, but, um, I've heard, I've heard more and more things lately about it. And, um, I wanted to kind of familiarize myself with, uh, Robert Eggers and, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm really glad that I did cause I liked it a lot. Yeah. Me too. I revisited it for the first time since I saw it in the theater. Um, revisited it like two weeks ago. Um, and man, it holds up so well. It's yeah. so unnerving and just, he creates these worlds that like, it's so authentic. Like, yeah. It's just He's, so good. His big thing I think is his attention to detail mm-hmm. 
and his like his dedication to realism. Yes. Like I don't think uh really the biggest thing about the witch that you notice right away is like the language that they use yeah. and how authentic it seems. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that movie would have worked nearly as well if they would have just like talked like they do today. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Um so I, I really liked that little that little uh detail about it. Same here. And like that kind of title card at the end that says like this was the dialogue from yeah. this was taken from actual accounts and stuff. I'm like, okay, you're being a little cocky, but okay. <laughs> you earned it. But I do remember when I went to see The Witch in the theater, uh, two things about that. One, I was nervous because I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to, like, p- like understand what was going on because I didn't know how, like, heavy the language would be, um, and, he- like, heavily authentic. And I was, I was fine. Um, and it was, it was, it worked fine. But, um, the other thing was that I remember, like, I, th- I want to say that The Witch was kind of the start of my kind of growth or, Kind of, I guess my adjustment of my consumption of horror movies. Um, I've talked about it before, like, like, hereditary, like, messed me up because yeah. it was emotional horror. And, like, The Witch is a similar thing. And I think that that was kind of the start of this new way of looking at horror from my personal taste. Because, like, I left the theater and I just felt unnerved. Like, it wasn't anything, like, I wasn't scared that, oh, a witch is going to come get me or anything. Right. It wasn't something that, Kept you up at night exactly. or prevented you from sleeping. Yeah. Like, I I just remember feeling so uneasy. Like, any time she is... Like, when, when she mentions... When Anya Taylor-Joy mentions that she's... Like, she jokes that she's the witch and everything to scare the kids. It's like... Like, I was amazed at how the movie just kind of shows, like, how dangerous that is. Because... Yeah. Like, you can just be accused of being a witch, and, like, that, just that, just, that stuck with me so much. Right. Um, And so much more effective than, like, you know, jump scares or, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, so I I liked it. Um, And, yeah, I don't remember if I put it on my top ten list of the year. Um, I don't actually know if, I think I did. But um, I don't remember. It may have been one of those movies where I watched it after the new year. Uh-huh. Um, would it have made your top ten? Do you make top ten lists? Have I asked you that before? Uh, last year was the first year that I have. Right. Um, so, no, I, I don't think I did back then. Okay. Um, nice. But I, I'm sure it probably would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head some other ones that I saw that year, but... Uh yeah, I I I'm sure it probably would have. It nice. now that like the decade is coming to an end, I'm mm-hmm. kind of considering like a best of the decade list and I'm nice. Tw- like I think it it might be on there. Mm-hmm. Um just kind of depending on what else I I think about. That is a tall order. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that would make me so anxious to try to make that. And I probably will try to make a list like that yeah um yeah well i mean there's only what a little under two months left so get to work yep i will get on that so um uh, let me try to transition to our actual lighthouse review speaking of getting on that um in the case of that being a mermaid um 
let's talk about the lighthouse. Oh boy. That <laughs> uh is that technically I don't that's not a spoiler. Um anyway. <laughs> no, it's not cuz no. nobody knows what you're talking about. Yeah, and there've been articles about anyway uh the lighthouse so we're gonna do non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review we will tell you when there are spoilers coming we'll play a clip from the trailer and uh hopefully we don't go mad well i mean yeah this is probably as good of a time as any to make our announcement that we're actually recording this from a lighthouse where we're going to be working yes for uh the next four weeks Mm -hmm. uh but it's one kinda, of us is not allowed in the in the actual light. Right. Um, well, you've yeah. been doing this longer, so yes, that's probably yes. you. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird that there is a lighthouse here in Indiana, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's where we are. I, I'm I'm sure it'll turn out well. So I, I so badly want to attempt a Willem Dafoe, <laughs> but I can't. So like, all I'm gonna say is like, we're not totally landlocked, uh, matey. But that's not that's <laughs> terrible. We'll we'll check back in on that. Yeah, keep working. Yeah, um, assuming it makes it into the episode. <laughs> so, uh, plot summary courtesy of IMDb for those who haven't seen The Lighthouse um, and are sticking around for our non-spoiler review. Uh, the hypnotic and hallucinatory tale of two lighthouse keepers on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. Now, Ben. You saw this movie a couple of weeks ago, and I tried to see it a week ago, but I was, uh, like, I I probably should have told the story earlier, but basically, I went to the theater last week. Uh, we had planned on recording, I think it was Tuesday, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, like, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go see The Lighthouse immediately after work, come home, and then you were gonna come over, and we were going to record a review of it. So after work, I go to the theater, I get to my seat, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, like, I'm aware of how much time the movie is going to occupy my eyeballs. And it's immediately after work and I'm so tired (laughs) and like I caught myself nodding off and I was just like, do I push through this and just like force myself to try to connect the insane imagery that I'm seeing (laughs) or do I tap out and be a dick and cancel, (laughs) which I tapped out. And uh, uh, remind me again, at what point was that? Was it like... 10 minutes into it or it was like 45 minutes. Into okay. It. Like I remember the exact moment. Um, let's see how to, fr- oh, oh, when they, when they're toasting, um, to the end of their four weeks. Uh huh. Um, that was the moment where I was just like, okay, hi, I got to call it. I, I, I can't do this. So I left the theater, uh, in a huff. Um, and then I texted you and you're very gracious to reschedule and then, uh, yeah, so we, and then we decided to record tonight, which is a Monday night and I waited until Sunday night to see the movie. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So what were your, uh, viewing conditions in the theater and how was the viewing experience in the theater? Well, I was equally sleepy when I saw it, but I finished it the first time that I saw it. So. And I have two kids at home that uh, zap all of my energy. So, um, basically, I'm better at this than you. I think so. Although, uh, (laughs) I will say, 
life insurance policies <laughs> are kind of like children in and of themselves. Oh and boy. When I spend let's <laughs> let me let me get on my soapbox and talk about how <laughs> how processing paperwork for an insurance company is like parenting. <laughs> I can't, I, no, yeah, I agree. I think maybe it could be possible that you are more, uh, dedicated. Uh, I was going to say, um, <laughs> conditioned to, uh, not have, uh, to be sleep deprived and everything. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I'd say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, yes. so, <laughs> so yeah, I saw it, uh, so it released, I like, I don't know if it was considered wide or just, uh, more than just the initial release. Yeah. Uh, so I saw it the first weekend that it was here in Indy, which I think was like the 26th of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very last screening of the night, which was like nine thirty, Um, and, there was, I don't know, there was maybe five to ten other people in the theater. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, overall, I, I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I was, I was very excited from, like, I forget when exactly this was. It was probably, like, one of the early festivals of the year mm-hmm. when word had gotten out that it was like Robert Pattinson and uh Willem Dafoe on a lighthouse and they're <laughs> shantymen and they have accents and I was like yep sign me up I'll yep. be there <laughs> um and then the th- the trailers came out and I was even more excited even though uh, like I said I I hadn't seen the witch or and I wasn't all that familiar with Robert Eggers so mm. um I was all about it Nice. And yeah, I, I'd say it lived up to my expectations. Sweet. Um yeah, I had I had pretty high hopes for this movie. Um I like cuz just the buzz surrounding it and I mean it's it's the yeah, it's a sophomore effort from from Robert Eggers after The Witch, which <laughs> The Witch, which The Witch uh, was one of those which 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 <laughs> Which uh, blew me away, uh, and like it's just it's so I don't know. I was just I was just really interested in it, and I purposely didn't watch many. I like I wasn't like I knew the basic premise: just two guys in a lighthouse. Yeah, um, two guys, one lighthouse. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I had only seen the trailer like once or twice, and like it's such a visceral and like such a unique visual style. Like, yeah. It's, Kind of, uh, I think it's four by three aspect ratio. Yeah, it's almost square. Yeah, and it's just it, and man, it it works. Oh yeah, <laughs> so well. Um, um I yeah. I was thinking this like not long after I saw it, like, like did the movie need to be in black and white? And I feel like, I mean, there's no real like thematic reason for it being black mm-hmm. and white, but. And I, I don't really know how to describe this accurately or eloquently, but I, I don't think it would have worked as well if it was in color, you know? Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, it's, I think the black and white, and like it's, it, there's a lot of shadow and yeah. 
like the the lighting is just it's it's impeccable like it's it's oh, yeah. it's insane and like the black and white the the kind of lack of light throughout a lot of the movie and there's a lot of scenes of them being kind of just in silhouette and like low light. right yeah well it's um, it takes place i think in like the 1890s yeah so i don't it, there might have been running electricity i mean obviously yeah. there is electricity cuz right. it's lighthouse but right. um most of the lighthouse and the scenes where it takes place, there's no electricity. It's exactly. just like a single light source. Mm-hmm. So it's like natural light and like candles and lanterns yeah. and stuff. And like he uses that so well. And the yeah. cinematographer, whoever it was, I didn't look up, uh, just is amazing. But that combined with that kind of tight squared aspect ratio just makes you just feel as confined as the characters are. And it's just right. so like, it's so immersive and I like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple times when, uh, so we kind of alluded this to this earlier, but like, Willem Dafoe, he's kind of like the seasoned veteran of the mm-hmm. lighthouse, and um, he he's the one that actually runs the lighthouse up top, mm-hmm. and he kind of like forbids Robert Pattinson from ever going up there. Yeah. And so there's a couple times when he climbs up the staircase, and like the light from the light from the lens is showing through this like metal grate that's. Yeah. That's the platform up above, and it's just the the shadows that he uses. It's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, and just the mis- the mystery surrounding. I wouldn't even. I think it it might be a little um, <sighs> diminutive to to say it's a mystery surrounding the lighthouse or anything. Just the the ominous kind of pull of the lighthouse of of the actual light of the lighthouse. Yeah, um, is just so just palpable because you're in there with Robert Pattinson's character and like these characters go like it's just like <laughs> this is going to sound so trite and hokey but it's like a ballet of madness yeah like they just it's so just batshit crazy well yeah I mean it's uh, it's like if you see the trailer you kind of get an idea of what the movie's going to be mm-hmm. and you might say this is a detriment to it just because, you know, you can kind of see where it's going, but, mm. um, the way that they, that he uses it to get there is, is very, uh, captivating. Yes. And oh, yeah. I was, I, I was, uh, enthralled by it mm. pretty much the whole time. Oh yeah, I definitely was the second viewing. <laughs> um, uh, the first one I wanted to be, but I just could not do it. Um, having those life insurance policies just yeah. at home uh, <laughs> at work. They keep just, you up at night. They do. Yeah. Um, Begging me to change the beneficiaries, and <laughs> <laughs> like I just can't have a moment's peace. Um, <laughs> so dumb. I'm sorry to <sighs> you and to all the parents listening. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the, just the, the amount, like, the amount of, uh, craftsmanship in this movie, like, from an actor's perspective to the filmmaking, the camera movements, and just the surreal nature of the entire movie, because it's, like, it is bonkers, like, yeah. 
try to parse it in our spoiler section, but like this movie is flat out insane and it's so <laughs> just it well, works. Yeah, and it's like he doesn't go too off the deep end. Mm-hmm. Like there is some crazy shit that happens, but it's not like like if uh if you were working with the same person and being around them for 24 hours a day for four weeks straight or however long it happens because you don't really it's kind of unclear just if they are there for four weeks or if it's longer or uh, what it is but um, but I mean if you were around the same person for that long then you would probably go crazy too you know I worked nights with Tiny for (laughs) several years and uh and yeah uh i totally i so he uh he basically he stole the idea from you guys yes exactly yeah okay <laughs> uh but yeah it's oh it's so i i don't like how can we what else can we talk about in non-spoilers uh let's talk about the performances yes so yes it's it's kind of a two-hander really i mean there isn't like I think I I read um is it this is an A24 movie, right? Yep. Um I think I read that A24 is going to submit Robert Pattinson as a lead actor for the Oscars. Oh nice. Um but really I mean you could see Willem Dafoe being the, the lead as well, you know. Oh yeah. Um, cuz they they kind of have equal uh, screen mm-hmm. time and equal weight to their stories. So Yep. Um but yeah, they they yeah. were both <laughs> I mean, just even the accents, just mm-hmm. that alone is just, just incredible. Wor- worth the price of admission. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Willem Dafoe, and maybe it's just because he's a more um, seasoned actor, but like I feel like he was, I think he was the standout of the two. Not to take anything away from Robert Pattinson, right. but I mean, just his performance was just incredible. Like, the... The way, and and maybe it's more because he his character is faced with a lot of the um, pointing out of madness rather yeah, than he's, experiencing madness. It's it's a stretch to call him the straight man, right. but he's as close to the straight man as you can get. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the seagulls are the straight men of the movie. <laughs> um, but it's oh, and and just the. The set design and everything. I haven't read up on it, but I know that there's like trivia about like the construction of the lighthouse. Yeah, it was like massive. Yeah, those exterior shots. They're they're real. Uh, from what insane. I've read, um, they built this little lighthouse off of the coast of Nova Scotia, mm. and um, I don't remember if they said that it actually works or not. Mm. But um, I mean, they they built it. So and the the island if you've seen it it's just this tiny little just all just rocks there's no mm. fields or uh anything really it's yep. which which kind of helps to uh to understand like how these guys can go so crazy just like there's nothing else for them to do you know oh yeah like they don't have the obsessive viewer podcast to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> um 
but yeah, it's just and like the the way that the uh, the storm sequences yeah are just like it, it comes kind of in the it comes in the second half of the movie, but it's like at that point we've already been like entrenched in this world, and just having the chaos of the storm and everything is just really just it's like a payoff that i wasn't expecting and it's just it's done so well and like i said the camera work is an it's incredible yeah um but yeah the performances were great camera work and everything was great um anything else in non-spoilers because we're dancing around some stuff i think or i'm 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 withholding a lot of things how did you feel about pattinson oh yeah well yeah we didn't really talk because you I forget if we've talked about this before. You haven't seen Good Time yet, have you? I haven't. Okay. So have. what's what's been your experience with Pattinson um, other than the Twilight films, which than, I know you're a big fan of? Uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I have seen, in my youth, I saw all of the Twilight movies <laughs> except for the last one. Well, I mean, we're the same age, and those weren't really in our youth. No, so not we were both so adults. Much. Yeah, um, but I did it because it was fun to to rip on them. Um, yeah, we'll but, go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, I know him from uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Okay, as Cedric Diggory. Um, what else have I seen of his? Um, Oh man, um, it's funny because like I'll see that he's in a movie, and I'll see that he's in a movie that is like clear. Like I, I'm really impressed with the amount of uh, just different work that he's that he's doing. Yeah, um, like it's really impressive. Um, it's like it's like he's on a mission to distance himself from from the Twilight franchise. Yeah. Yeah, um, which I mean, I don't blame him. No, me neither. Um, yeah, I. But I, I kind of any, any. Okay. Yeah. Um, check out Good Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, make that number one. Okay. Uh, High Life, which he was in earlier this year, is also mm-hmm. great. Um, and then uh, he's in The King, which I'll talk about later. Oh yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, this, if this is your only Robert Pattinson movie other than Twilight, you're in for a real treat because oh, yeah. he is, he's pretty bonkers in this and <laughs> just, <laughs> he does oh, this, yeah. uh, I mean, he's British and the accents that he can do, they're, mm-hmm. they're all kind of exaggerated, but they work really yeah. well, if that makes any sense. Totally. Um, and his character is, I mean, he's more or less the one that's going crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, I really liked him. Me in too. This. I don't know if I'd say it was my favorite performance of his good time. Okay. I feel like is still my favorite, but mm-hmm. this one is probably number two. Nice. Uh, yeah, I will have to watch more of his stuff and report back, but I will say without, Question, this was the best performance I've seen from him um, uh, because I've only seen Twilight and <laughs> Goblet of Fire. Um, but yeah, I was really blown away by his performance. Yeah. And I want to ask you, this is very, I don't expect you to have caught this or, and it could be in my imagination, but um, 
it is in black and white, obviously. There's a moment where Willem Dafoe slaps him at the table, and he jumps back. And I feel like it could have been my mind playing tricks on me, but I feel like there's a like a brief moment where like his I think he's wearing like a poncho or something like a rain poncho or something. But like there's a brief moment where it almost looks like it's yellow. Hmm. Like you can you can almost see the color of it. That could 100% be my mind screwing with me. (laughs) But did you pick up on that at all? No, I don't think so. Okay, maybe I'm crazy. But because it doesn't, it, like, that's the only time that I saw any of that. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Um, and then, and then, like, I kept, uh, like, asking the people in the theater, like, well, you know, why don't we just leave the theater? And then they're like, well, you've been saying that over and over again for <laughs> weeks. Um, <laughs> which I guess that's as good as time as any to go into spoilers, do you think? Uh, sure. anything else we should, uh, so, oh, I do, should say, you did write a very nice review on the website, uh, at obsessiveviewer.com, uh, you. where you rated it five stars. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out, guys, and, uh, share it around. Um, I will say, uh, just, if you want us to go and see this, go and see it, because, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's going to be playing here in Indy very long. Right. I mean, like, I saw it, like I said, the first weekend that it came here to Indy, and it was only in, like, two theaters. Yeah. Um, and I think last weekend it might have been playing in a couple more, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's probably not going to be here for long. So yeah. go and see it if you can. I totally agree, and it's something that – visually like you should definitely see it on the big screen because it's just it's very visually arresting right um yeah uh do you think it'll make your top 10 (laughs) uh yeah i think so nice what about you uh oh yeah um yeah it'll it'll be up there it's gonna be so interesting i posted this on facebook because it's a shameless brag but uh i saw the double feature the lighthouse and parasite last night um after seeing those movies, I am up to 70 movies released in 2019 that I've watched in 2019. So that's to say that I have 70 movies so far to which I will make my, from which I will make my top 10 list. Um, and I have little less than two months left and I really think I'm going to hit a hundred. Okay. Um, so hopefully that happens. Um, yeah, I'm certain it will. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's go into spoilers for The Lighthouse. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer, and then when we come back, we're going to be spoiling the, uh, we're going to be spoiling The Lighthouse, says he, says, says I, or says he, or how did they, I don't Ahoy. know. Ahoy. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, um, says, says I, uh, The Lighthouse. Okay, here's the trailer. <laughs> we're going to spoil it when we get back. Okay, spoilers on for the lighthouse. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, how do we spoil this oh, movie? Boy. I will say the actual moment that I left the theater was actually when, like, the moment where I was like, okay, I really should leave the theater at this point is when he, uh, kills the seagull. Okay. Um, cause I was just like, there's so much going on here. I, I can't focus. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah. That is kind of when things start to get a little nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, like you point out in your review and it's such an interesting part of the movie that there's kind of this like almost gaslighting thing (laughs) that Willem Dafoe's character is doing. Yeah. Um, do you, like, ha- like, where do you fall in this movie? Like, do you think that Robert Pattinson really did go crazy, or was Willem Dafoe crazy and trying to make him think that he was crazy by saying, like, oh, we've been here for weeks and everything? I think it's a little bit of both. I mm-hmm. think that uh, Willem Dafoe, like, he <sighs> he's almost, like, untrustworthy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he's because there's that one uh, part early on when he's telling Robert Pattinson about like why his why he uh, uh, hobbles when he walks. Yeah. And you're not sure if he broke his leg or if he like got scurvy or something. Mm. So he keeps changing his story. So you're not really sure like whether he believes it or whether he's trying to. Uh, fuck with Pattinson yeah. or just what it is. So, um, I like the, uh, the lack of clarity that you have on that. Um, I don't oh, yeah. know, you know, sometimes that, that vagueness is kind of irritating, but I think mm-hmm. it works here. Um, yeah. So, let me ask you something, and it's kind of something that I've been wrestling with since I saw it. Is this a case of Robert Pattinson going crazy and being like, the lighthouse made me do it? Or is he uh, just kind of like, just crazy from the start and then just being in close quarters kind of doesn't help all that much and experiencing all that he does or yeah. Do you, do you get the feeling that like the lighthouse has this like supernatural power over him or something? That's a good question because I feel like it can really go either way. Like yeah. the movie is kind of pointing us to the, the actual lighthouse having some kind of supernatural property and like yeah. it's consuming Willem Dafoe. And, like, that's the kind of thread that I was following for a lot of the movie. Uh Uh-huh. But then there's, like, it just feels like a switch that it's, like, feels like maybe he is more crazy from the outset than than has been let on because of his backstory and everything. And then the the part that really muddles it is, uh, like, the very end, not the last shot, but I think, like, Mm -hmm. the second to last, when he actually does go up to the light. And just what happens there. Uh, which I thought was just incredibly well done yeah, and oh shot and so performed. Good. Um, that that kind of it it gives you the vibe that like that there is something more than meets the eye to mm-hmm. this lighthouse. Yeah, that's true, and it's but it's also something that it could be just his mind is so yeah. fractured and crazy that it's just putting more into it because nothing like supernatural comes out of it or anything. Yeah. I don't, I like that the, it's not like a haunted lighthouse or isn't, there isn't some kind of like ghost backstory Mm. to it or something. And like, that's one thing, one thing I really love about both this and the witch is that Robert Eggers is clearly influenced by Kubrick 
and like even stuff like just kind of surface level like references like the the axe stuff and the him like looking into the lighthouse and everything is just so evocative of the kind of thing that Kubrick did throughout his career uh-huh. and it's just it's so surreal and and weird and unapologetically so which is what makes it so unique to me watching it here now and what makes it what I think will make it a very memorable experience for me yeah um yeah. Also, it just looked really painful when he fell down the stairs. Yeah, pretty much. I yeah. wouldn't want to do that. Yep. And that last shot, just of the of the seagulls <laughs> eating him, just yeah. Oh, it, I think that was a, a pretty ideal way to end it too. Yep. You know. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of the witch again, mm. did you feel like that shot of him when he gets to the light? Do you think that was a little too echoey of the the end of the witch? Um. Oh, you know, maybe a little bit. It's funny. Um, maybe just a tad. But I yeah. think that um the end of Hereditary was more evocative of the witch. Okay. Which they don't have. Like they just have a two four as a right. as a common thing. But it didn't. It didn't make me think of the witch in in the lighthouse or anything. It's probably just because I had just seen it for the yeah. first time. Yeah, but, but I definitely there are some parallels that can be drawn there. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm okay with it. It didn't oh, really uh, take anything away from the lighthouse. Yeah, how I felt about it. Oh yeah, in the uh, the way that the movie. It's so hard because I feel like I'm going to sound like an idiot when I try to talk about like um, the kind of themes or whatever. But this whole like weird like struggle between the two men in the movie, like it goes to some weird like there are like weird tangents where it's like they're a married couple. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like a slippery slope where he just gets crazier and crazier. Like mm-hmm. there are some moments when they are kind of friend friendly towards each yeah. other. Um, but, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but well, it really plays up the isolation and the loneliness and everything. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's that scene where, uh, they're arguing over the cooking and everything. Yeah. And like, I was like in my head, I was like, I just imagine like the, like posting a frame of that and just putting like marriage story 2019. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like that. And it, it's such a weird movie because like we have that intense scene where they're arguing and everything. And then it ends like the, the, the button on that scene is a joke. Like that's kind of a jokey kind of like, so you or like, I think it's, Robert Pattinson saying is like, yeah, I do like your cooking. Um, it's just, it's so <laughs> yeah. weird and it's something that's just really messing, messes with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really dug that. Um, Robert Pattinson's big freak out scene. Um, where he's like stumbling drunk and yes. Yeah. And he like, I think he loses his shit over like, uh, Willem Dafoe keeps farting and yes, that was, is and that he, what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like I thought that was just an incredible scene from an acting perspective and everything. Just, yeah. he was insanely good. Yeah. Um, he does, he plays a pretty good drunk. He does. He does. Yeah. Which I mean, if you were in four or five Twilight movies, uh, <laughs> probably would too. Um, yeah. that's, I don't know. 
whatever. But um, he's a stand-up guy, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was something I wanted to say, uh, or something I wanted to bring up. Um, well, I I also like um, how uh, it's also not totally clear because uh, he starts the movie out he. He tries to stick to the rules and he mm-hmm. doesn't drink um, and he he references like the handbook or whatever. Yeah. And then like the storm happens and then he just kind of lets loose and he starts mm-hmm. drinking and he's falling down drunk all the time. And uh, so that's that's another thing that kind of drives him to going crazy, yeah. you know. Do you feel like the, because in that big confrontation scene where he's drunk and everything, he mentions that he found, because he found the log and he, he recites pieces of it saying that it's, you know, that he's basically the implication is that Willem Dafoe has been keeping a log of all of his wrongdoings and everything. And he's going to recommend dismissal without pay and everything. Um, Do you, do, do you, where do you come down on that? Do you think that that is truthful that Willem Dafoe did write that or that he is just imagining that and that's part of his psychosis and craziness? Uh, man, um, I hadn't really thought about it because I mean, I, I, I think you could go either way. Cause I mean, there, there are scenes where he sees these things that can't possibly be real. Mm-hmm. Like there's the, the scene that he, uh, I've obviously all the stuff with the mermaid. Yeah. And then just, we might want it to be real. Um, that's, I might cut that out anyway. might've been the last of them. Yeah. Um, so, and then there's like, he's, he's pulling up the, like the crab trap or whatever. Yeah. And it's like a, a dead guy's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's possible that it, mm-hmm. he made it up and, it wasn't real, but yeah, because like after that, when they have their big scuffle, um, Willem Dafoe like transforms into uh, Robert Pattinson's like former partner in the timber timber industry, Timberman, <laughs> Timberman, yeah, uh, that he let die essentially. Uh-huh. Um, it's just it's so just bonkers. It's it's so yeah. good. Well, there, <laughs> I think. If there's any justice in this world, uh, Willem Dafoe could get an Oscar nomination mm-hmm. for this. And totally. I think, without a doubt, the the clip that they should show is, like, the entire speech that he gives when he's, like, cursing Robert Pattinson. And yes. uh, he goes on this whole spiel about, like... <sighs> I, 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 it's been too long. I, I don't remember mm-hmm. it word for word, but it's, it just gets crazier and crazier yeah. as he talks. Oh, it's, it's so good. Um, and then like toward the end when he, that's one thing that I, I found really fascinating about it is that he, the kind of, I guess, role reversal, it could, I mean, it could be a little bit on the nose, but just like Wonfo. Becoming a dog and becoming obedient and everything. Um, I thought that was a really interesting, like, depiction of the reversal of their dynamic and that Robert Pattinson's been treated like shit and he's been, like, subjugated by Willem yeah. Dafoe. And it's just this, it's like, it amplifies this power struggle amidst all the chaos that Robert Pattinson's getting the upper hand. And it's just, 
it's so just nuts that he's yeah. like making him act like a dog and then burying <laughs> him alive. It's just, it's insane. Um, well, so and good. then there's, I forget when exactly this is, but there's one part where they just, like, all they do is yell what to each other yes. over and over and over again. And just the way, like, the line readings that they each have is mm-hmm. just is great. Like they're, they're saying a lot more than just what, you right. know, I can't wait for the inevitable, uh, memification of that where they include Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> one more time. Um, get on it. Yep. Yeah, I will make that my life. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, oh, so good. So what did you, uh, like all of the mermaid stuff was so, strange to me um and just i like the the whole like the little statue that he had the figurine and it has this kind of talismanic kind of strength to him that's likely all in his head i think but uh what'd you make of that as a piece of this crazy mess (laughs) uh i think it fit well with who this guy is and uh like what he would cling to mm-hmm. in that environment um i mean it's they didn't really have any books or uh obsessive viewer podcasts exactly. to listen to so i mean the next best thing you know yep <laughs> Ugh. just think things could have been so different yep for them um <laughs> so uh yeah so uh and what did you think of the end and everything? Anything else we should talk about? Um, no, I mean, it's, like I said, it's it's one of those movies where you kind of feel like you know what's going to happen mm. um, from the beginning. But uh, the way that they get there is uh, is really entertaining. Yes. And, like, this is going to make me sound like an idiot, but I just, I love that we have, like, a filmmaker like Robert Eggers and also Ari Aster doing, like, Midsommar and Hereditary, that they're making these horror films. And also Jordan Peele as well. Um, This was such a great year for, for, like, I would say prestige horror, I guess. Well, Um, and let me ask you this, because I think I... I can't remember if I put this in my review or not, but would you qualify this as a horror movie? Because, I mean, there's there's that one jump scare at the end, which mm-hmm. wasn't even really all that much. I... But it's more like a psychological... Mm-hmm. I don't know if thriller is the right word. I would say it qualifies for my definition of horror if only because of my uh, previously mentioned kind of adjustment of horror, like like my, uh-huh. my turn of, I don't know, the way that I consume horror has changed, I guess. Sure. Um, I would definitely count it as horror. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there is definitely some freaky shit that happens. Yeah. Uh, and um, I would... I would definitely say that The Witch is a horror movie. Oh, definitely. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for calling this a horror movie, but it's it's not, like, on par with, like, 
you know, scream or right. or even hereditary in terms of just the the amount that you'll be afraid, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. Oh, definitely. Like, it's, it's something that I feel like <laughs> the way that horror and this is something i'll have to pick mike's brain about but the way that horror is i wouldn't say evolving but the the way that horror in the mainstream is evolving yeah um and like we have these people that are making these horror films like like midsummer did you see midsummer yeah okay i recently watched it and man i loved it like it's not a conventional horror movie by any stretch but it has this unsettling, unnerving right. horror quality to it that's just like I feel like there's another like in my letterbox review for for Midsummer, um, I mentioned that the first ten minutes just kind of solidifies uh, what I already knew from Hereditary that Ari Aster is making um, is creating emotional horror on a level that no other filmmaker has an effect on me. Yeah. And I made a point to bold emotional horror because I feel like that is a subset of horror of horror because it's just like, and maybe that's just a fancy way of saying psychological thriller, but I feel like that's, there's a different, like, I feel like there's a different category emerging and I, I love yeah. it. Um, it's more accessible. I feel like to yeah. the casual moviegoers. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, I, I don't do a whole lot of horror movies. Mm. Um, I I try to steer clear of the, like, I mean, I've never seen any of the Halloween movies oh, or yeah. Friday the 13th or, yeah. um, you know. So yeah. I don't know if I should immediately be kicked off the podcast for saying <laughs> that. But um, well, so soon after Shocktober, I, uh, <laughs> we'll give you a pass. Okay, um, just if your car I, breaks I'm, down in a in a in a like cornfield area and everything, just you know, don't yeah, don't get out. I do plan on getting around to them uh, yes. eventually. So I do say that the first Halloween is incredible. Okay, it's a classic. Okay. Um. Yeah, so uh, is that our review of The Lighthouse? I said all that I need okay. to. I think I have, too. Uh, so, yeah, so that's our review of The Lighthouse. Um, let us know what you think, and definitely check out Ben's review on ObsessiveViewer.com. And uh, follow him on Letterboxd as well. Uh, ben Sears is his username. And uh, also follow me, at ObsessiveViewer. Um, you know what? And, and I haven't been doing this and everything, but if you've been listening to this and you want a free pro membership to Letterboxd, uh, first person to send me an email at obsessiveviewer at gmail.com or matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, I will get you a free pro membership to Letterboxd. So if you're listening to this, go ahead and send me an email and I will get that. And also, you know, put your username um, in the email and I will get you a free pro membership that gets you stats and everything. Um, yeah. So do that. And then, yeah. Do you, are you, are you good on time? Do you want to do some poker? Yeah. We can do that. Sweet. All right. So I feel like we we never do this anymore. <laughs> um, so uh, as is usually the case, we're going to round out this episode with uh, some potpourri, which is the section of the podcast where we kind of wind down and talk about things that we've watched, things that we're looking forward to, anything we want, as long as it smells good. Uh, it's our potpourri section. And Ben, since you are our guest, um, why don't you hit us with your potpourri? Okay. Um, 
I could probably talk about a couple of things, but nice. um, I can I, too. So we'll just swap. Sure. Um, so I uh, we talked about this in the pre-roll mm-hmm. uh, Patreon stuff. Check out um, Patreon.com/slash <laughs> Um, but I came to find out that I, uh, because I got a new iPhone, I, mm-hmm. uh, get a free year of Apple TV plus. Um, I had absolutely no intention of signing up for it, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm all for some free shit. So, <laughs> nice. uh, here we are. Um, and I, because I'm a diligent uh, guest on mm-hmm. the the podcast, I uh, went ahead and I watched um, the. There's really there's four shows that Apple has really mm-hmm. pushed um, at their launch of Apple TV Plus, and I watched the pilot episodes of each of nice. those shows. So here we are, and I can talk about them. Okay. Um. So. I mean, right off the bat, I don't know if I would recommend uh, subscribing to Apple TV Plus, at least not right now. So they did a weird thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's it's kind of Apple's MO to do what nobody else is doing. But like Disney Plus, they're going to have, you know, bookfuls of shows and movies and stuff available at launch Mm -hmm. with apple tv plus it's just like i said like six shows uh maybe seven Mm -hmm. um there's no movies available oh uh to stream for free i mean you can you can do just through regular apple tv you can rent movies and tv shows and and stuff or buy them right but there's none that are included with apple tv plus so it's it's kind of a weird decision i mean there there will be Hmm. some i know there's one with like aaron paul and um uh what's her name she was in ma earlier this year um octavia spencer yes okay uh at least i'm pretty sure that's who it is but Hmm. there's there's a movie coming out later this year starring them um but really, that's that's all that I've seen so far. Wow. Um, and then, like, huh. even even these shows that they put out on launch, like, so there, like I said, there's four main ones that they're pushing. There's mm-hmm. for all mankind. Mm-hmm. There's uh, C. There's uh, Dickinson mm-hmm. and the Morning Show, and. Right. I think Dickinson is the only one that has like a full season out right now. Oh, the other ones, there's only like three episodes available to watch right now. Sure. And I'm, I'm sure they'll be releasing each Mm. one like week by week, but kind of a similar model to like Hulu. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird. Just like I said, don't, I, I would not recommend subscribing right now. Wow. Um, maybe wait another month or two. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, fortunately, it's cheap. It's yeah. like $5 a month. But I, even if I didn't get this for free, I, I don't think I would be subscribing yeah. right now. But anyway, um, so I watched those four shows. Um, 
none of them, I would say, are really much to write home about. Okay. Um, like, C looks ridiculous. Like, I saw the trailer yeah. for C and I thought, holy shit, this looks bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ridiculous is a pretty, pretty accurate description. It's basically like they just kind of started throwing things out there just to see Jeez. what would work. Um, and that's the one with Jason Momoa mm-hmm. and some other people that you might recognize. Um, but nobody really name worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one that they've been pushing and obviously the one that they put the most eggs in their basket mm-hmm. is, uh, the morning show right. with Steve Carell, right. Jennifer Aniston, and Reese Witherspoon. Okay. I would say I almost like that one the least. Oh, interesting. Because is it a drama? Comedy? Yeah, it's, okay. it's a drama. So basically it's, it's pretty much a dramatization of the whole Matt Lauer thing, oh. like to a T. Okay. <laughs> like Steve Carell is basically Matt Lauer and he gets fired for sexual harassment. Okay. Um, huh. and it's kind of weird how, how, uh, nicely he fits into that role oh really (laughs) oh wow um that huh but it's just it's so kind of over the top and convoluted Mm -hmm. um really the only person that i liked in the pilot episode anyway is uh billy crudup he plays the uh the network president and um his his role is just kind of kind of smarmy and weird but anyway um i mean all of these i guess comes with the asterisk that like in the age of streaming pilots you know are kind of there's less importance on Mm -hmm. a pilot you know um true yeah it used to be where like the pilot episode was basically like you could tell what the rest of the show was going to be about right and then these it's kind of obvious that they built them to stream, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was that. Uh, Dickinson is fine. I don't know. It's about Emily Dickinson, Haley okay. Steinfeld. Um, I like her. She's good. Um, they they kind of they tried to make it like. They tried to make it appealing to the kids, basically. Uh, so this is kind of what I'm saying in a nutshell. So at the end of the first episode, she gets into a carriage uh, with Death, who is played by Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> where, where they go and smoke weed together. So <laughs> That combination of words? Yeah. I did I not expect any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. just kind of throughout, there's like, there's rap music that kind of plays in the background every once in a while. And huh. it's, it's kind of played for laughs every, you know, Jane Krakowski is in it too. Okay. Um, wow. And it's, <laughs> it's out there. I don't know. Jeez. I might actually watch more episodes <laughs> of it just out of curiosity. Wow. Um, but I don't know. It's, I get why they did it just because it's such a, could be such a dry story. And right. so they needed to make it appealing. But so is it played like as a comedy? There are some funny moments okay. to it. Yeah. 
Um, okay. That's yeah. something else. <laughs> um, but For All Mankind, that's I watched as well. That's the one I'm most interested in. But yeah, yeah. I think it, it's got some potential. I think okay. I'm... I'm excited for it. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's kind of another like alternate history kind mm-hmm. of take where what if the Russians were the first ones on the moon instead of us? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's got, uh, Joel Kinnaman, um, a couple other character actors that you'd probably recognize. Although I don't know off the top of my head from where, but, you you'll you'll recognize him when you see him. Nice, but it's it's interesting. Okay, um, yeah, like I kind of forgot that it was launching. <laughs> yeah, um, as we're recording this, it launched last Friday, and this is Monday. Um, and I forgot about it until I saw like some tweets about it and stuff, and I was like, oh, okay. And I looked into it. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'll get the subscription and I'll watch it, but. Like I said in the Patreon recording, I think, um, there's just, like, having an Android phone, there's no way to cast it. Like, there's no app on the Android yeah. phone to have it play, like, to cast it to my TV, which was what I would do. Um, like, the only option I would have is to, and I don't have a smart TV, so, like, the only option I have is, like, watching it on my laptop, and I'm like, I'm not gonna pay even five bucks to get access to that just so I can watch it on my laptop. Like, yeah. that's just not, that's not that's not what uh DJ Maddie Fresh on the ones and twos is about. But um Okay. So <laughs> I don't know why I decided to throw that in there. But uh but yeah, and also like there's no app on like P- PS4. Right. Um whereas my understanding of like Disney Plus, which is launching next week, is going to be available everywhere. Yeah. Um and like that's something I kind of and like, so you said that just the TV shows, the original series are on there. There's no movies. Um, well, like I said, there's, so there's the regular Apple TV mm-hmm. app and that you can, you can rent and you can buy movies right. from, but there's none that are included to on stream plus. with your subscription. See that I, like that makes you me can't, not want to do it at all. You can't stream like The Matrix or right. uh, just other movies that are on like Netflix or whatever. Uh, it yeah. sounds like it's. It sounds like an, it's an interesting like. It could be an interesting like service for someone who has like Apple products, like an extension of Apple users. But yeah. like as a standalone thing, like I can't. I I'm not going to buy into it, or I'm not going to try it. It seems like they. Just judging from like your experience and what you said, like it just seems like they were in a rush to get it out. Yeah. Um, ahead of Disney Plus. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Just, oof, I don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's, uh, that's good to know. Um, shall I go to my poopery? Go ahead. Okay. So I have a lot of stuff I could bring up. I as soon as Tiny gets back from out of town, we're gonna do an extended potpourri. I think we keep saying that, but who knows? Um, so, um, what I want to mention, you know what? Actually, for this, okay, okay, I will do the four uh, um, special presentation movies I saw at Heartland, since I didn't do that on the podcast before. Okay, so. 
I saw four special presentation movies at Heartland Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. Um, the special presentations were screenings of movies, like studio movies that they got permission to screen at Heartland Film Festival as special presentations um, ahead of their wide release and everything. So they had a ton of them. I didn't get to see all of them, obviously. Although the group that I'm a part of, the Indiana Film Journalists Association, we did do a an award. We were uh, the group partnered with Heartland, and we did an award for the for the year. And uh, um, basically, it was the IFJA best special presentation award and we awarded it to portrait of a lady on fire which is a movie i didn't see um but uh i trust the ones who uh, uh celebrated that in the in the group so i did get to see get to see four special presentation movies at heartland the first one that i saw was the opening night film um a beautiful day in the neighborhood which comes out later this month, I think. It's got Tom Hanks as uh, Mr. Rogers. I almost, <laughs> I almost said Mr. Rogers, like Michael <laughs> Scott in The Office. Um, so, as Mr. Rogers, and it's it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting companion to A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, or uh, <laughs> to uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Will you, won't, won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah. which was out last year. Um, that was a documentary, obviously, and. And this is a narrative feature. Um, it's not a conventional biopic. It's not like the life of, of Fred Rogers as portrayed by Tom Hanks. It's a unique movie in that it is basically telling the story of Fred Rogers's friendship with a journalist who's on some like, who's going through some hard times. Yeah. And what's really great about it, uh, or what, what I really latched onto about it, I should say, is that it was, um, really good at, at demonstrating what he was and what he meant to people and how the way that he interacted with, with people and like interacted with children on his show <laughs> wasn't, um, wasn't exclusive to just children. Like it, it was an interesting to see a depiction of his reach extend to a, to an adult. Um, and I liked a lot of that for that. It's been a few weeks. So, um, I mean, it's, this will be a kind of light review, but, um, it was a pretty, um, solid movie. It's not going to make my top 10 or anything. It was a great movie to start Heartland Film Festival this year with, though. And, uh, yeah, I really liked Tom Hanks's performance. Okay. Um, yeah. Did you believe it was him? Like, cause I, I feel like, uh, it would be, it's kind of distracting for me just mm-hmm. because like, I mean, he does in a way look like Fred Rogers. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there's, there's a part of me that feels like it will, uh, come across as just Tom Hanks doing a Fred Rogers impression. And I don't know how much I'll be able to get past that, mm-hmm. you know? I totally get those reservations and it is a little bit of that to an extent. Okay. Um, but like he's got the cadence of Mr. Rogers down really well and the kind okay. of tenderness to it. So, um, 
I do think he did a really great job, and I think that really shines through. Okay. Um, but it, it is a little bit distracting at first, but uh, as it progresses, you, you can kind of see it. What I appreciate about it is that it's a very subdued performance. It's very – like he, he's not like doing an impression. It's just it, you, it, he feels at home in that. And obviously, he's Tom Hanks. He's America's dad. So Yeah, of course. Um, so he's like – I can't imagine a better actor to, yeah. to have him. Uh, to be him, to be Rogers, to be your neighbor. Yeah, it, that, nice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's why you pay. Why we pay you the big bucks? Uh, we, we yes. Should not. We can. About we can get on that. Um, just, <laughs> I just. <laughs> so I saw In Fabric, um, okay. <laughs> which was the second of four special presentations I saw at Heartland. Um, In Fabric is a very unique case because it is the start of Heartland Horror, which is a sidebar. Um, a sidebar kind of experiment that they're doing. Uh, they're officially going to start it next year with the Indie Shorts Festival and Heartland Film Festival. So, uh, Indie Shorts is going to have Heartland Horror, a collection of horror short films, and then the f- uh, festival in October, Heartland Film Festival, is going to have features um, of horror movies um, as a sidebar presentation. So, In Fabric was the first, uh, or was kind of like a little taste of it. So it's directed by Peter Strickland, who directed some, um, uh, The Duke of Burgundy, which I've heard is really crazy and weird. I, I haven't seen any of his movies or anything. Okay. I think but I've heard of that one. The Duke of Burgundy? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard crazy things. I think it's on Hulu. Okay. Um, but In Fabric is a haunting ghost story set against the backdrop of a busy winter sales period in a department store following the life of a cursed dress as it passes from person to person with devastating consequences. Um, this mm. is a weird ass movie. <laughs> like, if you liked The Lighthouse, like, you'll probably appreciate In Fabric. Um, okay. It's. Do you know anything about this movie aside from what I just know? Okay. So it is very. Is it. Part of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants universe. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> um, no, it is so weird and out there. It, it is very evocative of, and I haven't seen this movie, so it's not a fair comparison, but it's very evocative of the style of like Suspiria, like the original Suspiria. Okay. And, like classic, like 70s, like Dario Argento. Like psycho, uh, psycho horror yeah it's yeah like, yeah like uh kind of like 70s kind of grimy kind of psychedelic yeah. kind of horror mm-hmm. um just really like really weird and and crazy um it's it's got some really really weird imagery in it that's just i can't describe like there's stuff involving mannequins that's just <laughs> one of the most bizarre things i've seen in a movie my whole life uh well i don't know if i'd say whole life but um but yeah, it's like I thought it was okay. Like it got three stars from me on Letterboxd. I thought it was okay. Um, very interesting movie for for Heartland. Um, and it's funny because I was there. Um, I was excited because it was actually the first like first real like screening I I went to that like other members of the IFJA were at, and like I was talking with them outside of the outside of the theater. Um, after the movie and one of them Evan is the guy who he's he's been kind of in charge of 
picking the movies for Heartland Horror uh, this next year. So he picked In Fabric. And we were talking, and this old lady came up, and she went up to him, and she's like, are you the guy who's programming this for, for next year? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, I'm 69 years old, and and I apologize for stepping on like stuff I've said on Patreon. But anyway, I'm 69 years old. My father was a projectionist, and I... Uh, so I've seen a lot of movies over over the course of my life. This was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and please pick better things. <laughs> wow. Um, it was so funny. Um, but it was, man, this movie was weird. The big problem I have with it is that it tells different stories. It's it's not necessarily like an anthology format, but like we spend a lot of time with the the first vignette i would say of characters who are like it's this kind of lonely woman who is divorced and she lives with her grown son who has a relationship with uh with a woman played by gwendolyn christie and there's this like undercurrent of like jealousy and like like this power dynamic between gwendolyn christie and this woman and she's kind of empowered by this dress and everything and um like that's cool but then like partway through like it switches to a completely different story involving a different person with the dress and everything and i don't know i just didn't really care for that format because i was more invested in the first set of characters than i were in the in any of the characters that remained in the movie okay um but yeah it was it's just uh, such a bonkers movie it's so weird if i don't know when it will be released or anything but i guess check it out if you're into that kind of thing okay um yep and then I have two more special presentations to talk about. Um, first, uh, the, the next one, number three, is something I'm going to be talking about in a couple of months. Marriage Story. Uh, Noah, ba- Noah Baumbach, uh, Noah Baumbach um, his, the latest movie uh, from him, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, play a married couple who are going through a separation and divorce proceedings. And this movie just was a powerhouse for me. Um, the, the writing is incredible. Like Noah Baumbach has this, this style to him. I've only, well, I've only seen a few of his movies, but he has this very naturalistic, almost, I don't want to say voyeuristic style, but he has this very naturalistic kind of, kind of way that he has like the, the actors play in the scenes and the, the writing and everything. It's just, it's so just beautiful beautifully done and in this movie it is playing with such an emotional like it's playing to such an emotional range that when like you just feel these characters in this situation that is out of their control meaning the divorce proceedings and everything it's yeah out of their control and like when even when it gets the most contentious contentious it's not necessarily them that's being contentious about it it's their lawyers and it's the whole concept of divorce and everything and they have a young child who's kind of in the middle of it but it's not played to this melodramatic effect it's just a very naturalistic thing yeah and i was just blown away by it um there is a scene kind of the emotional crux of the entire movie where like oh like it's it's scarlett johansson and adam driver they're doing acting um <laughs> and like the power in that scene it's like where things are bubbling up and everything like it is one of the best scenes in terms of acting and presentation and everything and just payoff of of story it's one of the best i've seen all year wow and it's just like i want adam driver in particular to get an oscar for it um, it's the best I've ever seen of him in anything. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets nominated at least. Same. 
Yeah. Um, for this or the rise of Skywalker. Mm. Um, <laughs> Could be both. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt might be nominated for, uh, Ad Astra and Once Upon a oh, Time in Hollywood. True. So you never know. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so that's Marriage Story. It's coming out on Netflix. December 6th. December 6th. I only know because I set a reminder to myself on my phone. (laughs) It's, uh, I can't wait to see it again, honestly. Yeah. And, uh, very, kind of a surprise appearance by, uh, Alan Alda in it. Okay. Um, which I just, I love that man. (laughs) Um, and it was really cool to see him in a movie because I remember hearing like he has like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or something. Maybe Um, he came out and announced it like a year or two ago. So I'm glad to see him actually, you know, working. Um, And he, he, uh, he has such a great line. He plays one of, uh, uh, one of Adam driver's lawyers. And he says to him like a kind of an emotional scene. He's like, he says to Adam driver, like, yeah, I think, I think that this is the right line. You guys will see on December 6th, but he says something to the effect of, you know, you remember, you remind me of my second wife. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was, <laughs> it was funny. Um, yeah, I don't, I butchered that. I think that there was more to it. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's marriage story. Can't wait. And then I have one more, if you'll indulge me. Go ahead. Okay. Just Mercy. Uh, have you heard about this movie at all? Are you, um, I know that it's got Michael B. Jordan and maybe one or two other, minor actors or minor characters that I know of, but no, go ahead. Okay. So it stars Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson. Yeah, I think I've heard of her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, future Mrs. Matt Hurt. Um, (laughs) that's, that's, that would be amazing. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Rafe Spall and Rob Morgan and Tim Blake Nelson. So, um, the plot is, uh, it's directed by Destin Daniel Creighton, by the way, who did Short Term 12. Okay. Um, did you ever see Short Term 12? It's on my list okay. on Netflix. I saw it and I enjoyed it. Um, I think I was expecting a little bit more from it. I should probably rewatch it. Um, but yeah, but he also did The Glass Castle, also with Brie Larson, and he has been tapped to direct Shang uh, Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings for the MCU. Oh, okay. Yep, nice. So the plot it's based on um, actual, you know, historical stuff. Um, it is based on the writer's experience. I can't remember what the writer's name is, and I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Um, Brian Stevenson. So, okay. So it is the powerful. (laughs) I just, I was searching for the name and it's right here. Anyway, uh, the plot description, the powerful true story of Harvard, Harvard educated lawyer, Brian Stevenson, who goes to Alabama to defend the disenfranchised and wrongly condemned, including Walter McMillan, a man sentenced to death, despite evidence proving his innocence. Uh, Brian fights tirelessly for Walter with the system stacked against them. Um, so this movie was the closing night film of Heartland Film Festival 2019 and it's competently made it it like it's 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 good it's it's that just brand of movie that is begging for an Oscar yeah <laughs> and begging for awards consideration which is something that I'm not going to make comparisons to movies like Green Book cuz it's not and that's not a fair comparison by any stretch but it's yeah. that kind of movie that 
is meant to whet the appetites of Oscar, uh, like Academy voters. Um, it's fine. It's, it's okay. Um, like Jamie Foxx is, is good. He plays the, the prisoner that Brian Stevenson is, is working on, uh, trying to free. And like, it hits all the marks of, of a standard, uh, uh, legal mm. courtroom drama. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the one thing that I was very disappointed in was that, uh, Brie Larson is given nothing to work with. Hmm. And that was such a bummer to me. Like she's introduced as like, she's working with Brian Stevenson when he gets to Alabama. And then once he's established himself in Alabama, she's like, she's just a side character with nothing to do. Um, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, it was, it wasn't to my liking. People might, and that, that's the crazy thing. So it was the closing night film. It was a stat, like a packed house. It was close, like closing nights. So it was sold out. Um, and the crowd went crazy. The crowd loved this movie. Wow. And like, that's great. But like the whole time I'm thinking like, okay, Rafe Spall is doing this weird. He's playing like the, the county, like, like, or the, he's playing like the, a district attorney or something. And he's doing this weird affectation on his voice. That's like he's trying to do a southern accent, but it's not really working. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's just like he's kind of he's almost cartoonish a little bit. They have the standard like, oh, this is the this is the South um in the past, so we have to have the have uh, have to have like the racist old white guy. The guy's. racist old white guys. Yeah. Which I'm careful. <laughs> I'm fine with them depicting that because that's historically accurate and everything. Right. But it, the way that it was depicted reminded me of the way that that was depicted in say, remember the Titans, which is a fine movie, but it's also right. a Disney PG 13 movie that is going to be kind of a, a depiction of, of, you know, the like horrors of like racism and stuff, but in a way that's like family friendly. And yeah. That kind of is the, the impression I got from that. So, I mean, you've seen this movie a hundred times. It's a courtroom drama. You know what's to expect and everything. It was fine. There were some good performances. I will say there is a sequence involving, um, a, and, uh, and the electric chair. I'll say that, that I thought was like where the movie almost like clicked for me and like really worked pretty well. But I mean, that's in the middle of the movie and it just didn't really surpass that at all. Okay. So yeah, so that's my potpourri. Those are the special presentation movies I saw quick, at Heartland. Quick question before yes. we move on. Mm-hmm. Is Michael B. Jordan shirtless in oh. Just Mercy? I want to say there may be a scene where he is shirtless. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Then it can't be a total loss, it's right? It's not. It's not. Okay. Unfortunately, Brie Larson is not. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm sorry. Keep um, on dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will. <laughs> um, so, uh, do you have another thing for Popery? Kind of wind us, uh, sure, round us out. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. There's two things that I could talk about. Um, one that I just watched. Uh, it just dropped on Netflix. Uh, is The King. Um, mm-hmm. have you heard of it? I have. Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Yes, Timothy Chalamet, Joel Edgerton. Um, Robert Pattinson is also in it, but we'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> so it's this, uh, from what I've read, it's basically a combination of Shakespeare's, they call it the Henriad, 
Okay. Uh, so he did uh, Henry the Fourth parts one and two, oh. and Henry the Fifth, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of a combination of those. Um, so Timothy Chalamet plays Henry the Fifth, and he's this uh, kind of drunken son of the king and uh that's that's where he starts out uh the movie and um so henry the fourth is his dad played by uh ben mendelson and uh he eventually dies so timothy chalamet takes over he's the king um and they go to war it's the hundred years war um and it's, <laughs> uh, it was just so boring. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. And most of it is just these monotonous conversations um, between Timothy Chalamet and just his advisors and stuff. Okay. And um, I- I'm gonna drop a review uh hopefully either tomorrow or sometime this week uh hopefully before this episode comes out we'll see Mm -hmm. um but it was just so tedious and so hard to get through it's um and it's not not because it's like based on shakespeare Mm -hmm. um because i mean yeah, Shakespeare is kind of hard to understand and hard to, mm-hmm. hard to, I don't know, hard to get through if you're not paying close of a, close attention enough. I saw a three and a half hour production of Hamlet uh, <laughs> uh, Saturday, uh, which Kirsten was in, and it was, I mean, it was great. It was a great production and everything, but like, I felt that like it was like. It's like it's it's a language unto itself, right? Um, yeah, yeah, and but I mean, this doesn't have that. Thank God. Otherwise, okay, yeah. I don't know if I would have gotten through it. <laughs> um, but at least, like, he could write drama, and he could mm-hmm. write these intriguing uh, character dynamics. And this just it didn't really have that. Um, okay. I don't know how to describe it accurately without spoiling a whole lot, but, um, I mean, I don't know. It was, it was rough. Um, so I may skip that then. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Timothy Chalamet, he's fine. Mm -hmm. He, he does his thing, which is like this angsty brooding kind of, yeah. Um, but as the King of England, which sure. he can, he can kind of surprisingly pull off a British accent, I guess. Okay. Um, I'm maybe not the best judge of these things, historically speaking, but, um, I was more or less convinced. Um, so he's fine. Um, Joel Edgerton's character was just so weird and he goes like at one point, uh, he just starts just being like a sack of potatoes, basically. Okay. Um, and he's, so he's supposed to be Chalamet's best friend and mm-hmm. he can turn to him for advice and everything. And basically at one point he just, uh, he just 
is a nobody. I don't know okay. how to describe it really, but huh. um, you you start to like not trust what he has to say or what mm-hmm. advice he can give. Um, but anyway, uh, and there's really no no reason for it that I could tell why he underwent this change or wow. why he continues to trust in him. Mm-hmm. But uh, so anyway, like I said, Robert Pattinson is in it, and he's in it for like three minutes really it sucks and he's the best part he is like he plays this french guy and it's again he's doing this weird accent um but he plays like the the prince of france okay uh i don't know if that's exact title but um, that's basically what he is and so he's every, every time you see him he's just there to like taunt timothy chalamet and like (laughs) at one point he like makes fun of his dick and how small it is Um, i think i've heard like reference that (laughs) yeah Um, and so every time he's on screen you want more of it but Mm -hmm. he's only in there for you know a couple minutes and uh, i i don't know i wish that uh there was more of him that maybe Mm -hmm. even he had a his own movie, but yeah. you know, it the is what it is. Director previously did War Machine. Yes. Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. How was I th- that? I, I think I saw it like it. when it first came out on Netflix because mm-hmm. it's another Netflix exclusive yeah. from their early days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. It's okay. it's got it's Brad Pitt and mm-hmm. he's a, a general. I forget his name based on real life. Right. Um, but. It's. I remember not really loving it. Okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like there was just so many ideas that they had or things that they tried to do, and none of them really worked all that well together. Okay. So, I don't know. Hmm. Cool. Well, I think that should do it. Yeah, there's other stuff I can bring up, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, it'll be Tangent City. So uh, yeah, so uh, anything else for Bree, or should I shut it down? Um, no. Well, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. Okay. Um, so the, this movie hasn't come out yet. Are you familiar with Dark Water, or maybe it's Dark Waters? Um, uh, I've I know the name. It's got uh, Mark Ruffalo, I want to say Anne Hathaway's in it, okay. uh, directed by uh, the guy that did Carol. Okay. Anyway, it's it's another like legal thriller, kind of like mm-hmm. a John Grisham book. Um, so the, the only reason I bring this up is it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. and it's based on uh, Mark Ruffalo's character as a lawyer who is a lawyer at the law firm where I work at. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, he is still a lawyer. So it, it's basically oh, like, I... it's kind of an Aaron Brockovich type story sure. where he's, uh, DuPont is like poisoning the water in this mm-hmm. town. And uh, Mark huh. Ruffalo plays the lawyer who's like prosecuting them. Wow. And uh, I, I, I just, it was a weird coincidence. Yeah. I don't know if I'll see it because... Um, mm. It looks okay, but wow, that is that's nuts. <laughs> so if you huh. if you do see it though, and you uh, you see a handsome legal assistant in the background, 
just let me know and uh nice. that's me <laughs> nice that's awesome that comes I'll out collect my royalties nice it's a dark waters and according to imdb it comes out november 22nd so okay that's cool nice Awesome. Well, I think that will just about do it for episode 299. Holy shit. Of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Just missed 300 by one. I know. Uh, it would have been 300 if I had gotten my shit together. And I'll come back to your house the, every, each <laughs> night until nice. we record 300. <laughs> nice. It'll be a complete Zack Snyder retrospective. <laughs> um, in particular, 300. Um, Plus no. the, the rest of Summer of Sandler. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh jeez, oh yeah, that that's gonna happen eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you once again for joining me, Ben. Thank you for think, having me. Yeah, I don't remember if I thanked you before, so thank you. Um, also, thank you for all your work on the website. It's super uh, good to have someone posting content and everything. It's, it's been nice. fun. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll have you back at some point, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to round out the episode. I forget how I do that. So you can find more of our information at the pre-recorded outro. Um, <laughs> oh, coming up next time on the podcast, um, I think episode 300, what it's looking like it's going to be is maybe a solo episode from me in which I review a bunch of Disney Plus stuff. Because I got access to screeners, and I want to get that posted the day that it releases. So, look forward to that. Episode 300 will be a review of Lady and the Tramp, and the stuff that they gave me to watch, which none of which is The Mandalorian. Oh, <laughs> um, man. Yeah. Mandalorian. Um, mm. But, uh, which I assume The Mandalorian is just a a movie about a man who transforms into the car from... yeah. Back to the Future. Yep. Um, yep. So, but yeah, look forward to that. Uh, Disney Plus uh, reviews, Lady and the Tramp, uh, Encore, the Something World of Jeff Goldblum, um, High School Musical, the musical, the series, um, and some other stuff. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. That should be fun. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it. Um, once again, I'm going to be um, writing a review of Dr. Sleep. Uh, for Hypable this weekend, so check that out. Um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you once again, Ben, and check out Patreon, and have a good night. Let's get back to the lighthouse. Ha, ah, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it easy, guys. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. My little kitty. Peace out. You're keeping that in, right? Oh, definitely. Oh, all the okay. time. <laughs> My little baby. Come here, little baby. It's okay. Come here. Come here. I know. You're pretty. I know. I just imagine she's always telling me that she's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Yep. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV archive. 
You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny. And follow our recurring co hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at RA Feckus and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at teepublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda, at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!